Behind every great artist, there's a great band who help take the music from the studio to the stage. In each episode, I talk with some of the most accomplished and sought-after musicians in the world, delving into the details of their backgrounds, their stories, and their journeys, doing away with the fiction, and getting into the facts. It's not about the hype. It's not about the product. It's about the players. Yes, yes, y'all. Hope everybody's doing okay. Dodging Rona like Neo dodges bullets. This episode was actually recorded in the world pre-lockdown. Back in January 2020, I caught up with my man Darius Woodley. Amazing drummer out of NYC. He's played with people such as 50 Cent, Lauren Hill, Miguel, amongst a host of others. And on this day, he was talking to me about how it all got started. All right, boom, here we go. We are at um, NYC? Yes, sir. I've worked with Darius a few times on a few occasions when I've um, come to the States and needed an amazing drummer who would step up and do the job. Oh, man. <laughs> honored every time you call, man. So yeah. Honored every time to work with you, bro. Nah, so I know how amazing you are and how driven you are, so it's been great. And I thought this would be a great opportunity to kind of just chop it up, get to know a little bit more about you, and actually find out more about your background, too. It's like this whole thing I'm trying to do It's also... For me, it's kind of like learning more about mm-hmm. each other and the people that you're working with and around. A lot of shit that you don't kind of know that you don't get to see sometimes Definitely. in a work scenario. So um, just start kind of somewhere at the top, man. How'd you get into playing? How'd you get into music? Yeah, man. So uh, basically, like, I come from a musical background. My grandmother, uh, she played about five instruments. Wow. Piano. You know, she played some drums. Uh, that's on my dad's side. My dad played drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his brother played piano. Mm-hmm. All my cousins, they play instruments on my dad's side. Uh, he's a pastor as well. Uh-huh. So I got my start in church. You know, I mean, watching my older cousin, uh-huh. you know, play drums. Instantly, I just wanted to play drums. So my parents put the sticks in my hands early, mm-hmm. my dad. And then from there, I just ran with it. I played drums. Uh, started really, honestly, at the age of three. Wow. Like in church. Wow. Playing like for real. Like So this is interesting to me because a lot of people say, Oh, you know, I started playing in church. I started playing in church. And I think that like if you play in church and you know mm-hmm. what that is, but people that don't, they don't they always get kind of like amazed. What does that mean? Like yeah. what what it, so break that down for me. What would like a regular Sunday be? So basically, you know, I come from what you would call a Pentecostal church, uh Church of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um it consists of, you know, lots of singing, a mm-hmm. choir, basically. We would start with, you know, prayer. Then we'll go into a musical segment, which is basically more so praise and worship. We call that praise mm-hmm. and worship to where we have a singer, a few singers, and we'll do songs, sometimes rehearsed, but, you know, more so in this day rehearsed. But when I was coming up, it would be, you know, just free for all. Yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. you know, anybody saying, you know, testimony service, somebody in the church would just open their mouth, come out with a song, just had to hop right on board and keep the tempo yeah, so like yeah, it was more yeah. so like spontaneous mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. everything for me in my early days was never really programmed and you know i just had to really be on point at all times like with tempos keeping the time and at a young age and trying to build my strength up and that's where a lot of the issues were i would 
get kicked off early because <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, I wasn't strong enough to yeah, keep the yeah. time and keep the service flowing. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it'd be like, oh, no, we got to switch the drummer. So I would get tired of getting kicked off the instrument. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, you know, whenever that would happen to me, I'd go home and practice harder, try to get my strength up. And I didn't, I lived in an apartment, so I didn't have a drum set. Uh-huh. So I would make up my own drum sets. Like, I'm like three, four years old, <laughs> taking pillows and all types of stuff, whatever I could find, tapes. Yeah, yeah, beating yeah. up everything, making drums in my house until I was able to actually, you know, get a real drum set. I had an electronic kit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. My dad got me a little rolling kit, so I was able to have headphones, put music in my ears. So then I was like, all right, I could play the music. That helped me get my timing up. Uh-huh, so from uh-huh. early, I was always getting my strength and getting my timing up, which was two most important things for me. Yeah, yeah. I, now that I learned, you know, having strength and timing. Yeah, absolutely. But I didn't know as a child, like, I was already developing the two most important things. So, like, it was already kind of destined, you know. Yeah. I was working on two important aspects that I needed in, you know, what I do and, and what I do today. That's dope, man. I tell you, what's, what's dope about that is it's like, I think people don't understand, like, when you come from that type of background, mm-hmm. the, the competitiveness starts early. That training yeah. starts early because yeah. if you're not on it, cats will be like, yo, you need to get off. Exactly. And that, that kind of, that helps kind of, that inspires you, that makes you drive to want to be better, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. So then from there, uh, I'd say at about the age of 10, uh, my, my cousin, at, who was the, the drummer at the church, uh, he went to a whole nother church, mm-hmm. to a bigger church. So then I became the drummer full time. Mm-hmm. At 10, I was able to hold it down by then. So then... But what you mean, like, full-time, though? Because I'm sure you went to school and shit. <laughs> nah, like, <I'm> full-time, <laughs> like, like, that's, like, every Sunday. Like, every Sunday, you know every I mean? Sunday. Like, every yeah. Sunday, like, whenever there's a service, like, I'm the there. drummer at the church. Yeah, like, it's yeah, nobody yeah. else, like, playing drums. I'm yeah. There's nobody else that's coming in to play. Like, <laughs> this is my church. <laughs> that's like, what's up. I'm the full-time drummer here. Not getting paid, though. It yeah. wasn't at the time. My dad's the pastor, so don't think, you know, at the time, I wasn't getting paid. I'm 10. Yeah. I'm just happy that I could play drums. Yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? I lived in an apartment at the time, so. Mm-hmm. I don't have access to playing loud drums all the time. So, shoot, every Sunday I know I could come in and be as loud as I want. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And basically, like, practice. I think you know? the thing <laughs> that people, like, sometimes don't understand, too, is, like, um, when you're from that type of background, mm-hmm. the the church is a big part of your social circle, yeah. too. Like, So, like, obviously I'm from L.A. originally, but I remember, like, I've traveled a lot because my family was musicians, too, so I was moving around always. But I remember, like, for me, that was a big thing. Sundays, you know, you wake up, you go to church, and you yeah. hang out, then you wait for the next service, yep. and then there'd be After like no, choir rehearsal. Yeah, we would have like two or three day. services in day. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. it's like, I'm playing all day. And that, But like, that's a part of <laughs> yeah. what your day is. That's just exactly. a part of like what you might do. Like some people might go to the park and play swings, do yeah. whatever other people might Then it might, might be like a guest church comes who yeah. has other musicians. So I meet other drummers, yeah. other organists, and bass players. So it's like, you know, yeah, develop yeah. the relationship and stay in contact and then that's how we started to develop what we call now sheds uh-huh, uh-huh. you know what i mean so it's like oh it's a whole lot of musicians let's come together and do what we want to do and you know actually just play music uh-huh, uh-huh so somebody would get the keys to the church you know late night whether it be a friday night saturday night we call up all the homies like yo we going to this church tonight we got two or three drum sets two bass amps two or two keyboards come so we started doing those and then from there that developed the more, like you said, competitive culture. Yeah, yeah, So where it's like, yo, like, I got to step my game up (laughs) so I could get respect around here. That's what the, where I come from, New York, it was about getting respect. Yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? It's like, you go to these spots, like, you you would go to these spots, different churches, whether you play for a choir or whatever, it's like, 
you want to be respected when you when of you course. walk in that in that in that building. Of course, anywhere. Of course. If you walk into an office, you walk into anywhere, you want to be respected. So yeah, as a musician, yeah. it's like to get that respect. Of initially, you got to be on point at your craft. So so peep though. So, so like so you um so obviously I'm imagining. If you play in the church, you're mm-hmm. playing like hymns, you're playing gospel songs. You're right. playing so so what sort of when did you start wanting to play other type of musics and what were the mm-hmm. first you know, what did you hear that really inspired you to want to play things outside of yeah. that church realm? So I say I was about um I was about fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um there was it started it it started because of church. Mm-hmm. There was a gospel group around the city by the name of LaVray. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout outs to, to LaVray. Like, if it wasn't for LaVray, I wouldn't even have, be in any of this, you know, any wow. position that I would be in. Um, it's a, it was a gospel group that came out of the Bronx. All of our, basically, is like a young group. All of our parents were musicians and mm-hmm. pastors in the city. Uh, we got signed to MBK uh, Entertainment at the time. That was Alicia Keys Management. Oh, wow. So other artists were also on the label, like Elle Varner, mm-hmm. Gabby Wilson, mm-hmm. who is now her. Wow. wow. At, at the time. So we, we were signed to that label. So you and you were like as a band or as a... We were the band of the group. Right. Okay, so whatever, okay. wherever the group went, mm-hmm. the band went. Right, right. You know right. what I'm saying? So it's like basically the same fi- thing. Basically, that was 15. I was 15, yeah. Wow. So basically, wow. like, now, like, if you're working with an artist or whatever, they get a deal, boom, they out. Wherever that artist is going, we out. Wow. So that's wow. how it was. Like, we ended up doing, like, at the time, what would be high in gospel, Bobby Jones, mm-hmm. you know, things mm-hmm. like that, uh, Jake's um, Powder's House conferences, things like that. Mm-hmm. We, did a, we did one album, only one album, it went up for stellar nomination. Wow. Um, wow. We, we had artists such as ASAP Ferg on the album, Alicia Keys, um, Anisha Figueroa, Daddy's Tribbett, wow. uh, Ty Tribbett's brother. Wow. You can check the album out on iTunes. Shout out to LeVray. Um, yeah. So yeah. because we were signed to that label, uh, the band, we got recognition for our sound. Like, yeah. the, the group wasn't your ordinary gospel. We had an edgy urban sound mm-hmm. so Jeff Robinson shout out to Jeff Robinson he's a manager uh, CEO of MBK he gave me and the bros a shot like he used to have showcases for his artists mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Gabby Wilson Latoya Luckett uh, Jermaine Paul Alicia Keys mm-hmm. he would allow us to be the house band right right okay, okay so at like 16 17 I'm in the clubs with X's on my hands <laughs> so that they know oh don't don't let him drink right right because he's right. young but I'm playing for all the artists wow so I'm, I'm learning like I did not know that yeah that's just how I got my start so I'm I'm, I'm I'm learning like five artist sets like maybe like six or six five artists doing five or six songs one night two wow. three hour shows in the clubs wow BET wow. Music Matters and from there I started you know, linking with people like Omar Grant at the time who was doing BT Music Matters here, like the SOB show. So mm-hmm. they would just call me. I would do all of the artists for those. Like any artist that would come to New York yeah. at the time, they would go through me, basically. So I would meet every artist at wow. between 16 to 17. 17, the year I graduated high school, uh, one of my best friends right now, uh, his name is Sean Thomas, S-Dot. Mm-hmm. A great producer right now. He's produced for like everybody you could think of. Talking like I don't even want to get into it. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, just just you know you what I'm saying. Google, yeah, Wikipedia, yeah, yeah. S dot, dot and Pro. Wow. You know what I'm saying. Shout outs to him. Uh, he had got a call to go into the studio with Fifty Cent. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
that was only just to play some keys over a record that was already done mm-hmm. by another homie of mine, uh, Buddha. Buddha and Grands, they are like one of New York's top prominent producers. Mm-hmm, Produced mm-hmm. for like 50, EJ, The Kiss, or any New York artist. Mm-hmm. So because of the connection through the producers, mm-hmm. my best friend was able to go in and play some additional keys on the record. Mm-hmm. At the time, 50 didn't have a band. Um, it was in the it was in like Transition, Nissan, and Rapture, and all of them. They were working with a lot of different artists. So mm-hmm. things, I guess, you know, at the time, 50 just, he didn't have a band. He was doing shows with no band. So my friend played the keys on the song. Then uh, he needed bass. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he called another one of my friends. Mm-hmm. So from there, the conversation started. Like, man, y'all, y'all guys are pretty good. Like, you, you a band or something? I'm like, yeah, this is the <laughs> same band from Lavray. Right, right, right. <laughs> so okay. you know what I mean. So it's like, yeah, we're a band. So he said, all right, I'm going overseas, and when I come back in two weeks, you know, I want y'all to come to rehearse with me. I want to try, you know, try some stuff out. Mm-hmm. We came to that very room. Room one. We're in we're in wow. room three right now, S I R. Uh huh. We were in room one, uh two thousand ten. That's wow. ten years ago. Mm-hmm. So this is a whole decade later. Wow. Actually, now that I'm thinking about this. Wow. We went and all had a rehearsal with fifty. Next thing I knew we had flights and our emails. We went to Colmar, France was our first show. I think it was like a week later. Wow. Ever since then we were wow. out every weekend with fifty touring. I was seventeen. Wow. The year I graduated high school was on my way going to Five Towns College. So the year I'm getting ready to go into college, I'm touring the world with 50. Wow. Like, I went into college already <laughs> with a gig. Wow. And a scholarship. Damn. So you, I mean, you were really deep in this. I yeah. mean, you already got 10 years just mm-hmm. as a professional. Yeah. That's even before talking about all the time you spent kind of grinding mm-hmm. as a youngster, learning your craft, yeah. you know, practicing, whatnot. That's amazing, man. Yeah. That really, really is. And it seems like there's a strong kind of like recording kind of like in studio side to mm-hmm. your kind of like, I guess, entry into all of this. Yeah, yeah. It's, it started in the studios. I started meeting different producers. They would have me coming because my timing was so was so mm-hmm. good. I would do a lot of like overdubs on records. And I was young, so they would just have me come and replay a lot of the samples. I didn't, you- <laughs> I didn't understand at the time the business. I could, you know... Get credit, but at the time, you know, it was like, shoot, you're giving me some bread. I'm like 15. I'm just gonna replay the sample. Ah, uh, uh, cool. That's all you need me to do is listen to those drums and replay it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my name was buzzing off of that. So they was like, oh, when the 50 Cent gig came, my name in the city was already established because I was playing in the clubs. I was all the producers knew me, so it was just like, yeah, he's ready. And you know, what's and it was like on the job training as well. Yeah, because yeah. I learned like the show aspect. Like my first real big show was like in front of 30,000 people. And- <laughs> At the time, we didn't even have ears. We were still using monitors then. That's so it was like I, seen, I went through the transition of like using ears and all of that. I tell you, I tell you what jumps out to me too, though. I'm glad you said what you just said because I was just like, I was just listening to the rehearsal tape with um with our, with our monitor engineer Raf, mm-hmm. and I was just sitting there listening, and I said to Raf, I, I said to him like, "Yo, Darius is so tight." I was like, I was, I was like, I was, that's, 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 I said, I said, yo, he's so tight, and I said because we, you know, we're using the samples from the record, and mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I was, I was like, you know, you could barely tell that this is actually played. This could be programmed, mm-hmm. and he was like, oh yeah, yeah, and I was just like, so I can, that's, a, yeah. I can, I can hear that it's, quality it's in your playing. Yeah, that's dope, man. Yeah, that's man. dope. And did, did you ever have any? Obviously, again, people say I played in church, I did, mm-hmm. but did you ever have any kind of lessons or training? Like, how did you I learn to, to play drums? I, like, to, you- I learned honestly. 
I, I was self-taught. Just man. doing it. Literally just doing it, watching. Mm-hmm. I was surrounded, you know? I was surrounded by it. So, and then my dad surrounded me by it. Once he saw that I had a passion for it, mm-hmm. he bought me tapes. So mm-hmm. I used to just watch Dennis Chambers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all day. Dave Weckl, yeah. Steve Gadd. He, he brought, like, because he knew that I liked drums, right. he didn't let me watch church drummers. Right. He right. let me watch outside like so i was into billy cobham i was into right. at the time those were the guys yeah i'm a yeah, young kid yeah. i'm like six four five coming up so like those were my influences coming up so it's like fusion these type music mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and abstract and you know make being having the presence but still having the groove in the pocket you know what i'm do, saying do you have a favorite drummer anybody that inspires all time you yeah. I, I mean i don't have a favorite drummer right now mm. i have favorite moments or well, somebody drummers, that maybe inspired you maybe heavy oh, influence you know yeah. i would have to say dennis yeah if it wasn't yeah, for yeah. dennis i went through like a good 10 year span of just dennis to where it was mm-hmm. like he was god to me like, <laughs> seriously yeah, like yeah. god is god but i mean like yeah. it was like yo no i feel you. this is like anything he was doing the one hand sweeps the, i had brought a double pedal all of that anything yeah, he was yeah. doing yeah, Anything yeah. he was doing I was trying to do it yeah, In church Beast Like yeah. it was like cool Whatever Dennis is doing I'm doing it And then because Dennis Liked Billy Cobham That's why I went And started studying Billy Cobham Right right, Tony right. Williams It was like Whoever they liked That's who I liked Yeah yeah You know yeah. what I'm saying And yeah, then I started yeah. Finding my own sound Within gospel It's like okay I'm getting older Like there are gospel drummers Who are killing like The Calvin Rogers The Liddell Abrams mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying The Calvin Nappers mm-hmm. All of those guys Like even my local home heroes The Gerald Hayes Haywards. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for Gerald Hayward, the first pioneer to even do like come from the church and go hip hop, yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying, yeah, with Blackstreet. Yeah. He was one of the first guys from my era to do that. So yeah, like that's yeah. what really opened the door for me to even want to be like, let me step outside the church because I can. It was already done. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah, jazz yeah. wasn't really my thing. Right. I could play it if I needed to, but like hip-hop and r&b like i listened to that stuff and right gerald was the first cat i ever saw do that right 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 so it was like and then now to actually have a relationship with him it's like it, that's even 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 more great well know that's know like, like i think the thing that's interesting is that you you obviously came up in an age where you mm-hmm. might have just been listening to hip-hop would yeah been thing. that's what it was yeah. i was listening to hip-hop pop i liked in sync all of yeah, that type yeah, of stuff yeah. like that was my era black you know what i'm saying backstreet boys all of that the pop side of stuff and mm-hmm. then you know hip-hop that was 50 you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying all of that like that was my era like i liked jazz a little bit but i'm a kid so you couldn't yeah, really just yeah, be yeah. like yo listen to this it's yeah like, yeah i don't like that i'm still a kid like but what's it's, it's interesting though because obviously um just thinking about it mm-hmm. obviously you're coming from church you're playing in church and you're mm-hmm. around a lot of live music and live musicians and whatnot but then obviously a lot of hip-hop and pop music is kind of programmed mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying there's not always a lot of live drums in it right. but that still doesn't mean that you're not influenced by it it doesn't like influence the way you even play maybe yeah. the way you even approach playing you know what i'm saying i i approach music like anything you ask me to play mm-hmm I would have to make it feel good. Yeah, yeah. So it was yeah. Like, I like to challenge myself. Like no matter what, I could play it. Like I could create a part. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, so, yeah. I used to with the hip hop, the program stuff. Like that was even more a challenge for me because I majority of the stuff is either quantized mm-hmm. or not quantized. That's right. So That's it's right. like, how would I have to play it if it wasn't quantized? That's you right. You know what I mean? How yeah. can I create that? Yeah, yeah. You know, these yeah. old loops and stuff. How do you know what I mean? Because that's an art. To that's be able right. to replay a unquad, something unquantized. That's right. That's right. You know right. what I mean? So I used to just, 
I used to just challenge myself. Anything that I liked, I would just play it. And That's anything dope. I didn't like, I would still play it. Because I'm like, dang, what if I was on a gig and the artist really wanted to play this song? Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. like, how would I approach it? Yeah, yeah. I would just do that in my crib. And I would always create, like, a scenario to where I'm on a stage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If I was warming Seeing up. That big or with, yeah, already, just huh? always. <laughs> in my, just in my, once I, you know, my, my parents eventually moved and I was able to have a situation to where in the house I could have drums. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As I got older... I will always do that. Like, if you look at some of my covers that I had from back in the days, like, that was all in the basement. Like, anything <laughs> on YouTube, it was right in my parents' basement. Like, wow. From, like, wow. 2013 and stuff, I went through a cover phase. I was like, let me just put wow. out some covers and stuff. I'll tell you what's dope about that to me, too. It's just that, like, just thinking about, like, loops, you know, mm-hmm. like, thinking about playing a breakbeat or something like that. It's like a loop. That might be used on a hip hop record. That might be just one little part of another song right. where the drummer might have just fallen into that right. particular feel exactly. for that kind of like four to eight bars or whatever. But it's like then that's now become a full song. So mm-hmm. it's like that drummer might not have been able to even play that whole exactly. <laughs> song like but that. It's like it's like a happy accident. Yeah. But then that becomes a part of the way you kind of mm-hmm. play it and the way you kind of maybe approach some things that you play moving forward. Yeah, it's like with drummers who do double pedal stuff i will always try to do what they do on the double pedal with one foot right, right so it's like all right cool even though you're doing it with a double pedal i don't have a double pedal so i'm going to figure it out between one foot and the floor time and <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. manipulating it but it's still what it is yeah yeah you yeah. know that, the same kind of thing that's what i would just try to let my brain work like outside the box yeah that's dope man so always so peeps so 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 you're like 17 mm-hmm Playing with 50 Cent Yeah The biggest rappers of all time Yeah You know what I'm saying uh, Playing on the week Were you So you were going to college Or you It was the year I graduated high school you graduated high school Going into college so Did you the, go to college I went to college for about two years Right right For as long as I could Then yeah. my schedule started getting crazy at the, at, After that I started You know working with other artists Sure I Started sure. working with Miguel mm-hmm. um, I started working with Rita Mm-hmm. Okay. Once she came on the, on the U.S. side, uh-huh. I would work with her sometimes. So my absence started tallying up more. Right, I was right. doing my work. Yeah, yeah. But I just came into school one day. They said, listen, I was called in by the dean, guidance counselor, <laughs> everything. I'm like, what is going on? They're like, listen, you've surpassed the amount of absences in the first semester that you're allowed for the whole year. Wow. We can't physically pass you by the state. Right, So right. you're going to have to take a leave of absence, like withdraw. It'll look better than just... Yeah. Failing all your classes I'm like We can't work something out Like I'm touring <laughs> With all these artists Like yeah. you've never Had a student like this I know you haven't Like yeah. And it was a great school Like So what were you what Maroon were you studying? 5 came out of the school I was studying audio mm-hmm. Engineering and music business So it was a music college Oh yeah Okay great okay. It's uh, Five Towns College That's where uh, Maroon 5 Came from that school mm-hmm. Um Chrisette Michelle, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of musical, right, uh, right, a lot of musicians. You know what I'm saying? But I guess Reggie at Young. that stage, if you're already doing what it is that you're yeah. going there to learn, I how didn't, to do, I didn't understand like, it. Like so, I just I I left. Mm-hmm. I had like forty something credits. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Whenever I want to go back and finish online, I'll go back. Yeah. But once I left, I just started making more connections. And yeah. Getting more work, I started really touring. Then, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, I just I never finished it. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I guess there's more people that are kind of leaving school with music degrees mm-hmm. or different types of music degrees. But in our business, it's not something that's massively important. Like, right. it's not something that's asked of. It's not something that's really I'm, spoken I'm about. I'm going to be honest with you. The the greatest thing I got out of the school was the connections I made with my friends right. from there. Right. The majority right. of them are, are either 
engineering your favorite artist right now, mm-hmm. touring on their own. I went to school with John Bellion. He's a very, wow. very big artist. Oh, like, he's dope. We used to yeah, drink yeah. in dorm rooms wow. and play basketball. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of one of my other friends, Barrington Hall, he's a great engineer out in L.A. Mm-hmm. Like, we made, I made great connections and we work together now. Right. But as far as what I learned, I could have learned everything on YouTube. <laughs> I'm not going to hold you, man. Or yeah. from my friends or just being in the right atmosphere with people yeah. who are already doing it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I wouldn't say... To get so bound up in school, and oh, absolutely. To, you know what I mean. That's just for me personally, but yeah, yeah. I more more so went for the assurance of my parents. Sure, like they wanted me to go to school. It's like, yeah, all right, yeah. cool. Yeah, I already they were driving me to my gigs and all of that. They already knew what was going on, but they still wanted me to have that sense of foundation and groundedness. Yeah, but at the time when I was applying, the fifty cent wasn't in the picture. That happened literally like. After graduation, wow, summer, <laughs> wow, like wow. so fast. So it was like that's when things kind of whoa shifted. Wow, yeah. Wow. So you mentioned that you um, obviously were doing some work with Rita Ora. Mm-hmm. So it just I was just thinking like so I know that you've worked with um, quite a few British artists. Now. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Like like by chance, and I find that kind of um, interesting. Obviously, yeah. like do you? Um, do you find it different working with UK artists as opposed to American artists? I honestly, I feel like the appreciation for music in the U, for, with the UK artists is a little more. Really? In the US, yeah. I find wow. that. Like, they take more they they take more appreciation into just the overall scheme and the production of what's going on, like, of everything. Like, mm, not mm. so wrapped up into the artistry. They're more into the art. Right, right. That's what I get out of the UK and that's what I always appreciate even from just fest, even going to festivals like from the fans too like they're right. more into the art just right. so that's what I love about working with UK artists that's, honestly do you find it like in terms of like um, do you find you have to adjust your playing style or pr- play differently is there anything um, musically different I, that you find the only difference is you're definitely going to play a lot more electronics. <laughs> right, You're going right. to play a lot more electronics yeah, with yeah. the with the UK artists yeah. as opposed to uh, the US artists. Well, depending on which US artists, mm-hmm. majority of US artists. But the UK artists and just the production of the UK is just built more so on the sound. Yeah, yeah, And the yeah. appreciation of the sound. And, yeah. And that's what I love. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love the music and making sure the sound and like the sonicness is, is, yeah. is correct. Yeah, yeah. That's what the major difference is it's just more appreciation for the overall production to me mm, that's interesting and what about even like socially because I, I feel like obviously mm-hmm. like I'm somebody that obviously I've lived in the UK a long time but I'm not from the UK and I think there are kind of differences between well, I think all type of cultures mm-hmm. differences between people on the east coast and the west coast but how do you find it kind of interacting and working with people from the UK as opposed to yeah I mean it's smooth the only thing some the the only difference is the slang. <laughs> like the <laughs> right, lingo. Right, like, right, right. My lingo right. is a little different. The UK lingo is a little different. So, that, you know, the UK homies put me on to the new slang. I put them on. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Just, it's like, it's the same, just different. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I find. Like, you know what I mean? Even when it, like, y'all got spliffs, we got blunts. <laughs> it's the same thing. Like, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's like yeah. same culture, but. Yeah. It's it's all love. And that's, that's the beauty of what I love, finding that medium. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. You know, that we're all the way across the world but we could still come together and make beauty and music Absolutely. and art and just culture Absolutely. even off the stage just good energy you know I think I mean? that yeah well that's important you know I think that like I think obviously um, I think you bring a good energy to mm-hmm. everything you do anyway in my experience of you and I know that um, 
I think what a lot of people don't understand that that's like so important. That's half yeah. the battle, being able to get on with people and I guess being able to get on with people, different cultures, mm-hmm. um, different kind of backgrounds, all that. That's kind of, do you find yeah. that's been important for you? Oh man, and like I, that's one of the things I learned so early. It's like, it, it really hit me one day on the tour. It's like, yo, I'm playing for maybe an hour. Mm-hmm. I'm on a two month tour. <laughs> Two months, yeah. maybe what twenty shows? Mm-hmm. So an hour, twenty shows. I'm only playing for that long, so the majority of my ten time spent is off the stage. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. that means my energy has to be on point, my personality has to be on point, my hygiene, my mm-hmm. business, mm-hmm. how I speak. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How I interact with everybody, because mm-hmm. that's really what's important. And yeah. then when I'm on the stage, it's not even about me. Nobody came to see Darius Woodley. <laughs> maybe a few people. You know what I mean? Fans of mine who follow me through right, social media right. or whatever, of course, right. but it, my name's not on the ticket right? right unless it's right. my show. <laughs> right. You know exactly. what I mean? Of exactly. course, but and the, we're talking about touring and musicians. Like, yeah, yeah. So it's like once you come to grasp with that, then you figure out, all right, as long as I do what I got to do on stage, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then everything else has to match yeah, that yeah. and beyond. Yeah, then yeah. that's how you keep the workflow going. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know, all right, oh, I remember that guy. Like he was on time. He was he was punctual. Mm-hmm, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, and he, oh, you know what? And he killed the show. That's what <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be. Yeah, and he killed the show. Absolutely. Like, you Absolutely. know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. That's just the order of it. Yeah. And once yeah. I figured that out, I just made sure like I covered all the other areas mm-hmm. as well as I could, and still, you know, found my personality along the way in that, and yeah, you know, yeah. keeping myself genuine and organic yeah yeah and then the, the craft has already been worked itself for the years you that's know what right I mean? like that's, that's right. already that's what right. the process was for that's right so that's right. the work should just automatically like that's why you're called to get the job done so that's right you get everything right. else done that's what keeps your work flowing yeah it's so important people mm-hmm. don't a lot of people don't really get that you know they think that it's simply about how good they play nah. or whatnot and i'll be trying to t- like as an md sometimes i find people don't understand it's like we all have to leave our houses to be with people. Yeah. So it's like, I want to work with people that I enjoy being exactly. around too. Do you exactly. know what I'm saying? Like, that you just enjoy the company. Yeah. Not necessarily it's got to be like, this. do you feel good being around? And if people don't bring the right kind of energy yep. to a project, motherfuckers ain't going to want to work yeah. with you. But, you know, that when cats aren't in that position to actually, you know, put a situation together they don't really sometimes see that light it's like when you've never had to really be a boss you don't really know every aspect that's why the best bosses to me are the ones who've done everything yeah because yeah. you see how everything moves so yeah. you cannot be sensitive to every aspect of the job yeah, yeah. and know how it's supposed to move and absolutely. know who to put where absolutely and not because you've already done it and help give input like it's like i would feel crazy going to my boss asking them about something about drums and they couldn't tell me how to get it done yeah like, yeah yeah bro like i would lose res- <laughs> that's like i'm kind of losing respect for you now like you know what i mean just how so it's like absolutely it's absolutely. like you wouldn't you gotta just be a student guys don't understand how important being a student is I, as far as god has allowed me to go i'm forever a student because mm-hmm. i see how much farther it is to go yeah yeah, that's yeah. Why, you know what i mean like yeah no 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 that's that makes a lot of sense man i tell you and as i think as well i think just even with regards to the um the offstage stuff too it's like mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of musicians sometimes don't understand that even just getting on with your your peers yep. you know what i'm saying it's not just about your md or the manager the tour manager because i've had situations to whereby 
you know, I might like a person. Yeah. I might like, but like, I noticed that other people in the band are just not getting on with this oh, dude. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that and it's oh, like, yeah. and you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they might that's be. Why you got to keep your energy right. Yeah. Like you can't, I, I don't have grudges with cats. I'm not going to say, you know, like everybody. Of course, yeah. there's going to be situations where you might not, you know, you might not rock with somebody like that, but. Is a way to keep things cordial. Absolutely. You know, like if you had to be in, I keep it to where if I ever had to be in the work setting with somebody, the job, I'm not going to stop my work. My yeah, money. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's when it's an issue. When you put yourself in a position to where nobody wants to call you. Yeah, yeah. And you're stopping your money, then you got to check yourself and check what you're doing. So I'm just thinking too, <laughs> like, so you like from college, so obviously from like high school age touring internationally, that's another thing too, mm-hmm. because a lot of people. Don't get to travel. So yeah. you've been a traveling working yeah. musician. I'm on my third passport. I was about to say you must have a lot of stamps. Third passport. <laughs> you all fifty six pages. The big boys. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Wow. Yeah, wow. man. That's amazing. I started internationally touring. So that's I dope. really just started touching the states within the past three four years. That probably just you know you might not notice it, but that probably gives you a different kind of outlook than other people too because mm-hmm. you've actually been to different places you've been to Europe you've been to Asia you've yeah. been to wherever you know it's like it's, it's impossible to kind of travel like that and not open your eyes to different things and yeah. see things slightly differently so how like obviously I understand how you kind of got into the game and how you started doing things how have you been getting your work kind of post that kind of 50 cents early reader or time whatever mm-hmm. has it just been word of mouth have you been like yeah, what, man, what like everything has literally been Word of mouth mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like just all of the right Connections that I've made Over the years Have just all been with people Who have also Been working just as hard as me mm-hmm, So mm-hmm. the higher they go The higher we all go Like mm-hmm, I've mm-hmm. called some of my Best friends for situations mm-hmm. Same way they call me For situations and projects Which just happen to turn out To be projects that Go for years Yeah Longevity yeah, yeah. Absolutely like, an artist I'm Working with now uh, He's pretty heavy out here uh, a Boogie with the hoodie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's a young rapper out here He's been going platinum Crazy I got the wow. call to work with him Like I'm gonna say 2016 2017 Wow He just had like one single out And now it's like 2020 Like we're uh, we he, He's already been all over the world Touring Wow Like we've been wow. in the studio Worked on the album Next album that's about to come out Artist 2.0 mm-hmm. Streams going crazy So it's like And that's a good relationship that's been going over the years, like another artist by the name of Lion Babe. Mm-hmm, I've mm-hmm. been working with them since 2015, mm-hmm. just consistently every year. Just that's work yeah, every year, yeah. just keeping the relationship. And as they go up, the work increases. Just mm-hmm. uh, that's just you know artists that I've been growing with. Mm-hmm. Then along comes with that, you know, you get your more higher end artists like A list artists. I've been blessed to work with Lauren Hill consistently. Wow. Jesse J, mm-hmm. um, artists like Miguel, mm-hmm. and it just always just comes back around. Some of my best friends, like Kojo said, you just gotta be cool with your peers because you never know who's gonna need you. Like some of my best friends work with multiple artists as well, so yeah. their workload is just almost as heavy as my workload. The same way I'm able to call them to sub for me, they call me to sub for them. So we just you know mm-hmm. because you don't want to ever put somebody in a position to hold you down to where. The job is lacking yeah. That's the worst position Where Absolutely. you know You tell your boss Like yo I can't make it But you know I got somebody Who's gonna do it And then they come in And then the job isn't done That looks so bad on you Absolutely They don't even care About the person that you sent Absolutely It's you So it's like I would never call somebody Who I'll couldn't get the job done All the time Just yeah. as good as me Or better You know yeah. what I mean Yeah And I'm that confident In myself to call somebody Who's 
better than me to get the job done because I've developed my relationship enough to know, you know, they respect me to not try to underhand me. That's where you got to make sure all your areas are covered. Absolutely. That's why cats don't be, you know, so big on calling people that's better than them to sub yeah, because yeah. they don't know how to cover their 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 house yeah but the funny thing is <laughs> i'm just you know, being honest with but you, you know, <laughs> it's real but you know but people don't understand too like that whole kind of like that whole interaction is so important because you cannot do a gig mm-hmm. but benefit yeah because if you give somebody a good recommendation they gonna remember oh it's it's almost like you did the gig exactly <laughs> you know what I'm saying they're gonna because wanna call you again they wanna call you again yeah. and the next time it might be something that you do it might be for something else you, mm-hmm. know, you know you never so it's like it's so important and I think equally you have to be careful with that it's like you can't necessarily be some people be like oh you know put me on put me on but if like if you're not popping if it's not yeah. actually something you're actually able to do if somebody goes and does something for you badly. It's like you did it badly. Exactly. It actually fucks you up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Worse. So it's like, worse. Because then it's like the next time you need somebody to cover for you, it's going to be harder for you to, you know what I mean? If. And yeah. it could be family or anything. God forbid. If it's a family emergency and you just can't do the gig. Yeah. They're going to yeah. be looking at you crazy because they're going to remember the last time you couldn't do the gig. Yeah. 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 And the, <laughs> yeah. It, well, this, yeah. But that's important. I, yeah. I always say to people, like, listen, there's always going to be situations, things like that. But if you. Just if you get somebody in that can cover you, mm-hmm. make sure they cover it because then it's like it never happened. Yep. But like I've known people that kind of like things come up and they just be like, oh you know I can't do it and they just, and they kind of just leave it and they let oh, it go yeah, and it nah. ends up being a black mark. Yeah, on them. Co- yeah, yeah. Coverage is key. That's what I've learned. Like if you if as long as you got to always make sure you cover yourself. Yeah. You can't do something. You got to make sure somebody is there. And I say to people too, always. like if you're in that situation, <laughs> That's <your> job, <laughs> yeah. And it, but like, I always, it's say the MD's job to decide if he wants that person or not. Yeah, but it's yeah. your job to at least, like, yo. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's all. That's me. Like. No, but you're right though, because I say to people a lot of the time, like, so, like. I think a lot, a lot of motherfuckers sometimes they be lazy, mm-hmm. right? So it's like they can't do something and they'll just kind of back out, be like, oh, and I'll be like, do you want me to get somebody or do mm-hmm. you want to get somebody? And now people that are got their head screwed on they'll be like no let me get somebody yeah and they'll get their own person and then they'll make sure that that person has everything they need mm-hmm. that they know what they're doing and that they look after that so when that person comes in there's nothing for, but then exactly. if you leave it and you're like oh yeah no you 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 figure it out i might get somebody that i like more yeah. because i might be mad at the fact that you just kind of left me in the fucking hole yeah <laughs> without somebody to kind of cover the shit see, and see it's like, one thing about here in the u.s that's we're big on that culture like coverage culture like yeah, yeah. we're big on that like mm. that's one thing that i like it's a real big brotherhood yeah i mean as far as the drummers community is concerned yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's one because i hear horror stories about the guitar community <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> drummers yeah. union there's a, there's a heavy drummers union shout out to the drummers you yeah, know what i'm saying yeah. but uh yeah like we really hold it down, man. We make sure, every, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's dope, man. <laughs> yeah, and I think real. that's something that people need to know, man. If you can't do something, make sure that you get somebody to cover yeah, you. And make man. sure you you make that your responsibility yeah. to to look after that because mm-hmm. that's going to reflect on you mm-hmm. and your kind of professionalism and also your ability to keep gigs and work and whatnot. It's exactly. so important to keep it flowing. Keep exactly. it flowing yeah. because it's like you know you if you. I just I've just I I kind of grew up in that culture where it's like you did you didn't want nobody else to do your show like you yeah. really really didn't so if it actually came to that you made sure it was somebody that you trusted mm-hmm. that wasn't gonna try and take your gig mm-hmm. you also made sure that 
everything was taken care of. But like I have come across a lot of situations where now people would just be like, oh yeah, I can't do it. Um, if you can find somebody, and I'm like, word, oh, okay, yeah, like I don't think I've ever even said something like that, bro. <laughs> it's, it's like, like I'm, yeah. man. Yeah, any <laughs> instrument. Who who do you? I'm the first one to help help somebody out, bro. Yeah. Even if I don't even play guitar, it's like I can help you out, man. Like, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. that's the type of person you want to be because you add more value to yourself. A hundred percent. And that's what it's all about: being able to add value to every situation. Yeah, to the max yeah. that you can. It's deeper than just doing what you do, whether it's an instrument or you got to be able to add multiple value. Absolutely. That's how you work. Hundred percent. That's what I've learned. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I see that, man. That's dope. Um. And also, so I'm just thinking now about you kind of like gigging, touring, working, it's your thing, and mm-hmm. you're doing multiple different artists. Do you have a particular style of gig you like to do mm-hmm. or a particular, you know, is there anything you like more or like yeah. how, what, how do you feel about it? I love that? R&B. Okay. I love, I love to produce R&B. I love to do R&B shows. Uh-huh. Like, I just love R&B music. Like uh-huh. Any R&B artist, like, uh-huh. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. my thing. And how do you approach... Um, a gig when it's kind of maybe something you don't like so much you know what I'm saying like as a, as, as a musician for me yeah or or do you just pass you know like how do, how do you deal with that I mean well hey, what you mean as far as like the style of music yeah like if like I've, I've, I've passed on gigs before. yeah trust me don't get me wrong like, it's definitely been gigs I've passed on but I mean if it's like a gig that might be paying well mm-hmm. and not necessarily like the music mm-hmm. I still make the best of it because yeah. I'm I'm being professional yeah, like at, yeah. at the end of the day i have to be professional if i took that job mm-hmm. i'm going to be as professional as i can be i'm not going to show like i'm not feeling this music yeah, yeah i'm going to yeah. try to you know give it as much life as i can yeah yeah you know yeah, to the yeah. best of my ability yeah yeah and obviously okay so in terms of like is there any other kind of styles of music that you really enjoy mm-hmm. playing that me, me people maybe don't yeah. know like afrobeat afrobeat yeah wow, i okay. actually work with an artist by the name of rotimi uh-huh um he's afrobeat artist mm-hmm. uh, i haven't been able to do a lot of shows this year with him just because of my scheduling so a lot of my friends have been covering mm-hmm. but um i have a lot of, i have a couple of dates coming up this year that actually really was my first afrobeat situation actually having to really play i've been listening to it uh-huh but actually having to play with the different syncopations and where the kick is placed and yeah. the claps like that yeah. was almost a it was a challenge for me luckily we had like a week of production rehearsals yeah yeah like yeah. i was only for one little show too so i'm like cool this is good i can iron out some kinks i never really <laughs> had to play this shit like yeah, yeah but it was really fun so like i really like playing afrobeat and he has like an r&b feel too with it too so it was like dope, it's dope. a cool cool mixture like on some devito type stuff yeah yeah cool. that's yeah. dope that's it's really actually dre from power Oh, um, okay. Rotimi, he's a, he's an artist. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's nice, man. I, I that's like I know a few people that maybe I guess not with this kind of more modern Afrobeat thing, but I know a lot of dudes who are very much into I say African music as a whole, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting, like you know all the different time signatures, yes, all the different ways they're playing, and then also as well, it's like. People tend to think about African music a lot of time. They think about oh, West Africa, like you know, Nigerian, you know, music from Senegal, mm-hmm. Ghana, Nigeria. But people don't think about you know, like Ethiopia, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The South African music. There's so many different types yes. of kind of yeah, African, and the, and African the drums music are, to kind of like, drums are from Africa. Like yeah, that's the yeah. culture. So it's like you know what I mean. Like it was just, it was so much. It was refreshing for me to actually play that music mm-hmm. like, for real, for real. So hopefully, you know, he has more shows and stuff. I've actually been producing more Afrobeat stuff too, so it's cool. Right, right. So okay, so <laughs> I um 
you mentioned that now. Yeah. And I, I was, obviously, we spoke earlier about the fact that you kind of coming through a lot of producers mm-hmm. and that kind of side of things. Um, so is that something that you're interested in, production? Obviously, mm-hmm. I know you as a, as a player, but are you also yeah. interested in producing? And- yeah, definitely. I've been producing uh, more heavily like the past two, three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the end of 2019, I got my first like major placement with an artist uh, by the name of Dave East. I think I was rapper. there when you got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think I remember. So, yeah, I got a placement by the name of uh, artist named Dave East, signed to Def Jam, mm-hmm, by the way, mm-hmm. Universal and everything. So, mm-hmm. that was like my first placement. Mm-hmm. And I've been working with other artists, you know, mm-hmm. working with a few different writers. So I've been definitely molding myself more to transition into, you know, producer as well, not just musician. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's hard sometimes for musicians to get respect as a producer because you get called in so much to just play. And, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Musicians take work for higher fees and all of that. So you don't necessarily get respect with mm-hmm. credits as, you know, production. So... I'm trying to pave a way to where you know it's easier for musicians to get more respect as producers because we're with the artists so much. You so, know what I mean? So, do, so in the long term, do you see yourself moving into production definitely. and maybe playing less? Definitely. Wow. Yeah, wow. definitely. And do you, and hopefully orchestrating more, you know, situations. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And do you think that that's the, what you just said is I find very interesting because um, I, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And do you so, so you would say that um, you feel people have a different perception of musicians? And producers, yes, totally. It's a total. It's a total different level of respect. Hmm. Total different. Level Why do you of think that is? Uh, I think it's just the way clout. It's clout. The way the in, the industry is set up because the way like it's just a whole different system. Like producers, just the way the presentation is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean with labels and everything. It's just a whole different presentation. Like you can have a beat. You know what I'm saying? It's happening. Musicians send a beat to an artist or whatever. It'd be fire. Mm-mm. But just because of the way it was presented, like yeah. the producer who has his manager or whatever, somebody from the label sent it uh, uh, because they produced on this such and such album and got credit with that album and did this and got these platinum records. Yeah, yeah. They're going to go with that because of the name and they need it. That's right. That's you know right. what I mean? So it's that's like right. the level of respect. It's like you got a musician in your band who could make five million of those tracks <laughs> way <laughs> right. better. Right, but right. But you're going right. to go with that yeah, just because yeah. of the clout. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. It's like I'm just tired of seeing that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I really am. Like I, this, that's something that kills me, man. No, like, no, I feel <laughs> you. But you know, it's interesting <laughs> because I talk to a lot of musicians about this because it is. It's like you said. It's very much. It's a perception thing. Yeah. So like whether the musician has the actual ability to produce or more so than the actual producer or not. It's because they're seen as, okay, all you do is what people tell you to do. Exactly. And the producer is seen as like, oh, this person's a creator and yep. this and that and whatever. Da, yeah. da, da. So they feel like naturally, well, that person's, what they do is going to be yeah. better than what the musician Sometimes does. Sometimes you get stuck into a world. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's just how people perceive yep. you. But like you said, it doesn't mean that you can't do... Um, what the producer can't exactly. do, but by the same token, I think that even within the producer world, because um, that's my back. My background is production. Yeah. I only moved into this side of things maybe ten, twelve years ago. Wow, but I didn't know like, that. That's fine. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> what I spent the, my first twenty years of my career doing. Nice. But it's like the whole thing is that like. You know, even as a producer, you can be a dope producer, but even still unless you're a producer with a particular name or particular track record, mm-hmm. it's still going to be like, yeah, but we need that track from that person yeah. that just had that hit. Exactly. Whatever. So it's like, it's, it's still, you're still always fighting those barriers. But I've known, I've seen this scenario many, many a time when there's 
band that are with the artists to get to know the artists really well and mm-hmm. you know they're just just by nature of um being together a lot they'll be jamming on stage and they like shit no oh, that's dope and it's always like oh let's get in the studio let's mm-hmm. do but then when it gets to that there's always like a little barrier to mm-hmm. like Mm, yeah, it's nah, always let's create it, and then all right, yeah, let's send it to this producer. And then, <laughs> all right, we send it to him, and then he adds like one or two things, and then he takes like thirty five percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. It's like what? Why are you even sending it to him? <laughs> like yeah, let's work, yeah. let's just finish it. Like yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like yeah. I just feel like musicians can just get a lot more respect when it comes to the production of records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just work for hire, man. Certain if you're if you're qualified. I think that the the reality of it is that producing a record is um it's a different thing than making a beat mm-hmm. and, it's Definitely. A, and it's a different thing than kind of creating an idea mm-hmm. and i think that um by nature of playing music sometimes people assume that they can actually make music too definitely and they might not be able to mm-hmm. but where people do have the attributes to do that and have the kind of i'd say the kind of the ears to hear things on a wider level i think it's just a case of pursuing that mm-hmm. more and more and developing that yeah. and then transitioning into a place to whereby you can then present that but you know it's it is the presentation of it is a funny thing because i've learned over the years that when people see you one way it's very hard for them to see you yeah, another way. It's, it you know is. I mean? You got to like totally like reprogram your whole brand or whatever it yeah. is. It's like it's crazy because well, they're it, so stuck into the way that they see you. Well, I think it's also as well. It's like everybody's cool until you ask them for something. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like and and like when you might be you might you might just be hey check this beat out and they're like oh okay now you asked me for something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> and, true. And, and and the whole energy switches and it's like well no it could be good for both of us but they're like yeah nah nah whereas it's like when they might be going to it but it's like well I'm going to that person because I know what they do and mm-hmm. I want some, so it's like it's just hard to kind of cross those barriers yeah. I think but it's just like. I think it's just through work and time and and also I also think that it's more about you know obviously if you can get on a great project with somebody you're working with well, that's one thing but I just think it's so important for creators to create their own projects yeah. and bring things to market you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying so it's like you might be playing for somebody but then you might find somebody and develop somebody that could be bigger than the person that you're playing with you know exactly. it's just a pro- it might just be a 6 month thing <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's nothing like finding that artist that you grow with mm-hmm. and create that sound together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that, how Bryson Tiller came out was just crazy. Like yeah. he had like one or two producers, like and just his whole thing just went crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then when you're doing that, you're not waiting for nobody. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. which is like another thing. But yeah, that's dope that you're doing more. And how do you find time to kind of produce and write when you're yeah. obviously like touring a lot? And yeah, I mean, basically, whenever I'm not on the stage. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm. I got a setup with me at all times. Like I'm in either my house. I got a whole setup. So when I'm not in rehearsal or if I'm not in on tour, mm-hmm. I'm in the house. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm working on records. Wow, that's you know dope. what I mean. I have writers, friends that come over. Mm-hmm. You know, they write, send records out to different artists. You know, mm-hmm. pitch records that way. I have artists that are working on their own projects. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna eventually be working on my own projects. So I work on my own ideas as well. So like whenever I'm not on the stage mm-hmm. or not doing something with my family or anything. I'm in front of my my computer. Wow, that's dope. At all times. <laughs> so do you, do you play other instruments? I play piano as well. Okay, dope, yeah. dope, dope. Yeah, I, I see actually, you doing some yeah. fire shit on, that, on Instagram. Yeah, I, I, I see you playing. I'm like, okay, and that's that's because of church. Right. My uh, at my my dad's church, uh, the organist has sickle cell. Oh wow. So uh, he used to miss a lot of Sundays. Like it would just be random 
you know, one every once in a while we just wouldn't know what days he wouldn't come because he would just be so sick, like amazing right. organist. Uh huh. Uh-huh. But just he would just have days where he just couldn't make it because you know how that is. Yeah. Sickle cell yeah, anemia. Yeah. So I just started developing, learning how to play. My mm-hmm. my dad played a little bit, so he would just always play whenever, like you know, mm-hmm. whenever he the organist wouldn't make it, and then just preach. And then I would just you know try to mess around, and I just started learning out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And my little cousin who's a great drummer in New York now. Shout out to my cousin, Chase Harper. You know, <laughs> dope, he dope. just started coming up after me, so he ended up playing at the church, and I just started learning how to play keys. I had to play keys for, like, three years. Wow. So that's wow. how I developed learning how to play, you know? I just It just always stuck with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I'm just strong enough to play for production and stuff. So Dope, dope. Yeah. But do you feel like... Um, playing another instrument and producing mm-hmm. and putting like a lot of in time into that do you feel that helps you as a musician oh definitely also? yeah because it helps you for me it helps me to hear like the total aspect of the music mm-hmm. like i'm not just listening to one thing like i'm not just listening to the drums i want to hear every part i'm listening i honestly listen to the keyboard part first mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i want to listen to the to the chord structure and everything that was that's going on mm-hmm. before I learned the the drum part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, all right, yeah. if I learn the melody and the the chords where everything's going, I know how it really flows. Yeah, and yeah. And why yeah. the pattern, why the drum pattern is what it is. Right, right, right. And then everybody's part. So I feel like musicians who take that approach are sometimes a little more musical mm-hmm. than the than the average. No, I I agree. I think that it's important. I always mm-hmm. tell tell people like people say, oh, what type of drummer do you like, or what type of guitar? And, and it's like I said. I like musicians mm-hmm. and the instrument they play is kind of irrelevant to yep. me. You know what I'm saying? So it's like what I mean by that is it's like I like people that have a musical ear yeah. because we're kind of you you're working with other people and it's very easy for sometimes people to get kind of too kind of locked into what just playing. Yeah. Just playing what they want to play and it's not really it's not really about that. You're trying to do something. It's a team. You like know what I'm, I'm, I'm the type that learn everybody's part. That's like, dope. And That's I'll, interesting. I'll know when everybody's missing the part. Like, I'll know when I'm missing my part, and I know when everybody else is missing their part. I can't help it. It's yeah, like, bro, yeah, you yeah. just missed your whole part. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like and everybody hates me, but they love me. It's yeah, like, and yeah, it, yeah. It, it, honestly, it makes everybody's level come up because it's like, all right, let's all get on point. It's like, you know 100%. what I mean? It's like, like on some Jordan and Scotty type. A hundred percent. I mean, we're all coming in professional. Let's let's knock it out. Hundred percent. Like, That's great. I feel to like be everybody a- should know everybody's part. That's great to be able to hear yeah. that though, because I don't think everybody has that skill. I know for a fact I didn't have that skill because, wow. like, when I used to when I used to play on gigs and the, and gigs I was playing them did like I'm just I'm playing like don't mm-hmm. get me wrong I'm listening it's to everything but I definitely wouldn't have a complete awareness of everybody else's parts yeah. and that's one of the reason um, when I started working more as an MD that's one of the reasons why I transitioned to working outside of a band mm-hmm. outside of the band because. You know, my head is more production and being able to hear the overall thing. So it's like I find it easier to hear what's going on mm-hmm. when I'm listening as opposed yeah. to when I'm playing too. So being able to know do that while but you're I'm not gonna lie, stuff. the only reason I did that was so I could know like what spots I could take. <laughs> it's like, all right, I know where everybody's at. You don't play shit here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah all right, cool. I'm gonna take this spot. Yeah, and the floor. Yeah. The artist ain't really doing shit here, so I'm gonna take this little spot. Yeah. Because yeah. it's all about the spots and the placement. That's what I learned. Everybody would always tell me like, yo, your placement, your spots. Mm-hmm. So I just pick real sensitive spots. Yeah, yeah. But I make yeah. sure it's meant and felt. Yeah, you know what I mean. If but, I was, but in the most part, it's gonna lock in. Yeah, but that's well, what's yeah. up though. But this, but it's about listening. Yeah, that's the whole that's thing. Key. It's not just about playing. It's exactly. about listening too. It's yeah. kind of like it's more important to be a good listener sometimes than mm-hmm. a good player. Like I was never the type to get the music and like it's like how we had rehearsal. I'll never be the type to go and like lock in and sit on my drums and mm. practice it mm-hmm. beforehand. We yeah. get here. I'm gonna sit 
in my room and listen to it for mm-hmm. at least two to three hours mm-hmm. before I even touch an instrument. That's interesting. I was never that type of person, like, because I have to get it inside of me and dissect it first mm-hmm. before I could even apply anything. If it's not registered mm-hmm. in my mind, in my mental and in my heart where everything is, when I go to apply it, I won't really know what I'm applying because I didn't really listen to it. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. key. Like, listening is key. Yeah, like, I yeah, agree with yeah. you, bro. No, that's great, man. I mean, mm-hmm. how old are you now? I'm 27. I just turned 27. You just turned 27. Yeah. Oh. Wow, October. That's, that's dope, man. Yeah. That's dope. Well, happy belated birthday. <laughs> Thanks, man. But yeah, it's like, for me, it's like, I think it's interesting for people to realize that's like, you know, you're you're a young man, you're a young player, but like, you already are talking and it's like 15, 20 years mm-hmm. of like, grind and kind of like application yeah, and, um, you know, hard work and dedication, which has gone into kind of like, because people sometimes see people getting gigs and they think, oh, they just got this because they know, mm-hmm. oh, they just got this. They don't realize how much yeah. people have gone through and how much actual application it takes. They think you just jump on the stage and just do a little beat and it's mm-hmm. easy. But I kind of try to remind people that like if somebody makes something look easy, mm-hmm. it's because they've obviously spent a lot of time, the time beforehand to make it seem like it's an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know? Because it's not, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, not at all. It's mm-hmm. not easy. But I put the hours. Yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Hours. In. <laughs> no, that's great, man. Yeah, so, still putting the hours. In. So, what would be like? I got a question for you, actually. I'm just thinking, like, um, so you got all these other things you want to do, mm-hmm. all these type of um, different projects, avenues, which I could definitely see you going down. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say you had one more gig, one more dream gig, one world tour. Yeah, you know what I'm saying couple years i was just talking to my friend about this yeah too. who would that what would that look like who would that be right now mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. if i just had to, it was if it was like one more and that's it mm-hmm. i would want to do the travis scott gig wow yeah that's yeah. just me personally yeah. like i've done <laughs> yeah. so many different gigs i've done every genre like I, yeah yeah i, yeah. I would just want to go out like that yeah that's yeah. how i would want to go out <laughs> alongside <laughs> mike dean yeah yeah with travis scott uh-huh every night wow like that <laughs> <laughs> that would be fire I feel though. like that would be epic Yeah yeah And yes. it would be legendary man Just yeah. figure out the sound design Everything Figure out the mix between the symbols And just the hybridness Yeah I feel yeah, like yeah. I would Just lock in I would, I, That's what I would want to do wow. And that's the, Honestly I'm trying to figure out How I can do it <laughs> So you know <laughs> Kozo you just got the sneak drop I'd love I'm to, to see I'm trying to figure it out yeah. <laughs> For real that would, be, yo, that would be crazy Yeah bro Yeah I want to do that Yeah Travis yeah. Scott man Amazing I like Travis Scott music yeah no he's a he's a genius man but on a more professional i mean that is professional but i mean you asked me that's what i like yeah i think that it's important you it know it's, it's important to kind of like um to know what you want and also i feel like visualization in life is important anyway mm-hmm. but also like you know even something like that like you even approaching a gig like okay how would i do a gig yeah, like because that? he's never had a drummer ever right it's only been right. mike dean so it's like to to be able to approach it in a way where an artist who's so anti-drums accepts that's it. That's right. That's right. It's like, yeah. Well, this is kind of like, this is a thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know is, what I'm saying? Because people have to understand. <laughs> that's what you. I'm talking about. No, like. <laughs> no, because it's real, though. Like, a lot of, like, I think that, like, what I think is interesting, and it kind of goes back to some of the shit we said earlier, it's like you come up in an area where you've, in an area where you've been listening to it. There's a lot of programmed drums. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of whatever. So it's like a lot of artists these days they actually don't have a relationship or an understanding of live drums exactly they actually don't of like they they live they don't so they can't mm-hmm. really 
visualize yeah. or imagine how their stuff would sound with a band. Certain artists don't like cymbals. They don't like, like Kanye does not like cymbals, bro. No, I <laughs> like crashes. Listen. He hates them. Yeah. So how hard would that be? Like for real. Yeah. What you saying? Yeah, and it's but <laughs> I think I think it then becomes the responsibility of um the um the musicians and the people whose job it is. Like obviously I work in live music now and my mm-hmm. job is to basically transfer a recorded piece of music into a live piece of music mm-hmm. and make that shit work yeah. on in that context. And they both live in different spaces yeah. and they have different rules, but they cross. And it's like and it's important to find the right balance mm-hmm. of things that to make it kind of work in the live arena. And I think that there's still some things that can I think that there's just still things that can be done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like people think, <laughs> oh well you can't do it, but that's not the case. Yeah, so it's exactly. just about figuring out the way I'm picking that lock and finding a way you do it yep. and like and, and, and it's like if the right person does it the right way it's, it's gone yeah. you know what I'm saying it's See, like, you, like you understand what I'm oh saying. hell yeah because <laughs> like, yeah. it yeah. hasn't been done yet you know what right. I mean that way and it's like to do that that's pretty yeah. monumental yeah 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 especially I'm, in the generation we live in now yeah that's the one yeah <laughs> yeah no absolutely absolutely so yeah man um it's been a pleasure, man. It really, oh, man. really has. Likewise, man. I'm man, so, real. I'm so glad we got a chance to chop it up. Yeah, man. We got to um, do part two, man. When oh, I, 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 hopefully, I get to the UK soon. I got to pull up on you, man. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. man. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I just like, as I said, I, I um, I've been fortunate enough to kind of work with different people in different places, and I wanted to make sure that, like, you know, it's just great to talk to people that mm-hmm. have different kind of angles, different backgrounds, different stories, different type of musicians, different type of artists, whatever. And I think it can all help all of us as kind of musicians and artists and creators and writers or whatever and i think that the more understanding everybody has about what Mm -hmm. everybody does it's just it just it's just important knowledge for everybody do you Mm -hmm. know what i mean i would hope that i think there's so much that you've said that's going to be a value to all different types of people man Man. so um yeah man thanks a lot man thanks for having me all good all good and yeah we'll we'll get up soon man I, i actually look forward to um a chance of us actually being able to work together properly on something because everything yeah. that we've done has just been like um, just a little quick, quick in and out, quick TV, quick in and yeah, out, in and out. And that's yeah, that's not really they don't uh-huh. they, yeah. timing is everything. Yeah. You can really get in there and Who get, get dirty with it. Maybe yeah. it'll be Travis. Who knows? <laughs> Let's, listen, this is what I'm. You never know, man. This yeah. is, we, I have hey. a tendency to speak things in the atmosphere. So I, listen, you never know, man. Yeah. I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, I yeah. feel that though. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Much love, brother. Yes, sir. Peace. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Definitely a throwback to a time when you could get in the room and talk to somebody face to face. But alas, we keep it moving, regardless. In the next episode, I'll catch up with Lily Karasik. She's a trumpet player from the north of England who in addition to her many solo projects has collaborated with people such as Camille Cabello and George Ezra. Look out for it. 